time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Christine Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 75 woo-hoo, of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And we kiss them, too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Salted caramel. Again, because it's Holly Ann's favorite. That's right. So are you ready to sip some coffee and chat? I am. So how are you doing? Okay. Spring busyness. Yeah, it's been really, really busy on many different fronts. Mm-hmm. It's shearing time for me. Yeah. And we have our babies. We have, yeah, the you chicks. know, the chicks. We have a lot of stuff booming with the podcast. Oh, yeah. The podcast is super busy. And I keep ordering more plants from my garden. <laughs> have you planted those apple trees? By the time this episode drops, they better be in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I'm busy. I have to laugh because I've been trying to slowly clean out the beds. When I mean slowly, I mean like when I can get out there for five, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I'll weed some. I mean, there's still a lot of weeds. I'm not going to like go out and sugarcoat that. There's a lot of weeds. There's a lot of leaves. Mm-hmm. Joe and I were talking or something, and he just starts busting out laughing. Why? He's like, I didn't think you touched a garden at all. <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's a slow process. Well, there's that nice patch under the Japanese maple tree that Gertie has weeded for Gertie you. does her own style of gardening for us. She got in yesterday when you and I were on the phone because a lot of times I walk and talk. Oh, I was in the front garden hoeing while we were talking. <laughs> yeah. Right by the garage door where she comes in and out, she noticed there were leaves in the garden. Mm-hmm. So she got in there and cleared them and put them in front of the door. She just kicks them right on out. And I she's like, it. here, I helped you. I'm like, thank you so much. Gertie is not only the wonder chicken, she's a master gardener. She's also my warning. She likes to warn me if anything flies overhead. Yeah, she's very conscientious. Because it's just her and I together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she'll be like, duck. <laughs> I'm like, I saw them. I saw them. I'm really proud of all the stuff that we have coming out with the podcast. A lot of great information a lot for of everybody. Great work. Yeah. I'm pretty excited because this episode drops the week of the Maryland Sheep and Wool Festival, and it's the first time we've been in person in two years. This is the week I'm going to be away. Yes, you're going to be in Mexico as this episode drops. I am sipping on some pina coladas. I'm going to be at the Sheep and Wool Festival having a good time. I'm not going to have a pina colada, but it's going to be fun. (laughs) You think about me when you're drinking those pina coladas. I will be because you will be checking on the girls and my parents. Thanks. Girl, you better be bringing me something good home from Mexico. That's all I can say. What are best friends for? So I'll be sipping some margaritas mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'll You'll be, up, be at the wool festival. Up to my elbows in wool. I'm going four days and it's just a little tiny break, but we're working really hard beforehand to get everything caught up. Okay. So should we just take a minute to ask everybody a huge favor? If you're listening to our show and you're loving it, head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for our show. And the other thing is, hit that subscribe button so you never miss anything. The subscribe does a lot to help the podcast grow as well. You can also share your favorite episodes on social media. You can visit our Etsy shop, check out the t-shirts we have on sale. You can become a patron of the show. Visit patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. You can check out our levels of membership there. We have a happy hour Zoom call once a month for our love those ladies for our hen level subscribers, and it's super fun. 
And the other thing you can do to help support the podcast is visit our show notes, use our affiliate links, and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. You can receive 25% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats, plus all products ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein, perfect for those picky chickens or ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code COFFEELADIES25. Try it today. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chicken? Of course. Then, yeah. Let me just take a minute to tell you about the chicken love box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the mega box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with the chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the April box, I absolutely love the big pack of greens and fodder seeds and the sparkly chicken earrings. Those bath bombs smell so good. And that wind chime is going to look so cute out in my run. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order and shipping is always free. It's such a great deal. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. La, 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 ba, 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 da, 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 yeah, breed spotlight. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> yes. Breed spotlight. Yeah. This week we're doing a little chicken that's kind of all over the place, too. That's kind of what inspired me. This chicken's all over the place. Once upon a time, there was a small medieval city surrounded by a large primordial forest. It was winter for a full half the year in this little town. The people who lived there grew flax and they spun it into linen and they kept beautiful long-wooled raya sheep. They also <laughs> kept chickens with the most fantastic wool feathers. The end. The end. But it's a true story. Sounds like a dream world for you. No, not if it's winter half the year. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Come on. Winter half the year is out of bounds for me. I'm sorry. So the beautiful Haydamora chicken are rare breed chickens named for the medieval forest town of Haydamora. It's in the county of Dalarna, Sweden. Yes. Population, about 7,000. Not a lot. Not a lot. Let's just say that. So Haydamora's main industries have always been forestry and agriculture, and then later on, iron mining. Mm -hmm. And you may also know these people for creating the brightly painted carved wooden horses, the Dala horses. Right. So they come from that region as well. As we said, it is a cold region. At least four months of the year have average temperatures in the 20s and 30s. Ew. And in this challenging environment over the last 500 years or so, the land-raced Hatemora chicken developed. And land race means they live off the land and there is no breeding standard. They just... Mm -hmm. They self-select for the most they part. They all have fun. And then you That's get right. chicks. Hey, baby. <laughs> hey, baby. Wait, you're going over there with her? You were just with me. What are you <laughs> wait, 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 what? wait. And then you have many different looking chicks. As, you do. So it's a beautiful place in theory. This gorgeous forest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then the cold, just remember, no. like last month. I would be wearing the riot When it was sheep. 40 degrees and pouring down rain. Yeah, no. So according to the Askholt Holland website, Hatemora chickens are known as good layers who sometimes have extra toes. Sometimes not because it depends on who they're breeding with. That's right. And they used to be popular wedding gifts for newly married couples, which I thought was kind of neat. 
I like that. As we said, because they're a land race, there's no breed standard, but the Hainamara are generally divided into three groups. You have clean-legged chickens. And then feather-legged. Feather-legged. And then you have that silked, woolly stuff that we right. talked about. So the wool feathers, quote-unquote wool feathers, on some of the Hainamoras do have a woolly or a silked appearance. What does that remind you of? Exactly. <laughs> also, a lot of the breed is born with black skin. And again, what does that remind you of? And we've read that the breed evolved with these traits because of their environment. But we think that maybe there was a silky or two in town. The silky came in and they're like, who is this little handsome devil that walked in the door? Uh And they were like, we like his feathers. Yeah. So that extra toe, the silked feathers and the black skin. (laughs) uh Uh-huh. Yeah. There is some evolution taking place, though, because the silked Hedemoras do have more substantial and stronger feathers yeah. than a silky. Yeah. So they're not quite as vulnerable to icy weather. I was going to say, and if they're in a really cold winter climate, they do need the extra protection. Yeah. All the Hedemoras, even the silk ones, have this very dense fluff and down feathers to help insulate from that cold. Which is good. Yeah, They're going to need it. I can't imagine a silky lasting very well in an icy cold climate. I can't either. If you look up the Hatamora, one of the things you'll notice is that there are all these beautiful colors. A lot. That's why I went with a little taste of everything with the breed intro, because that's what they are. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of lavender and salmon. Mm -hmm. There is red-brown. There's a lot of silver and black. You know, they do look different, but they're very pretty chickens. Oh, yeah. Taken all together. They also have evolved with relatively small straight combs and small waddles. Shocker. Yeah, right. I mean, they're in cold environments, so they don't need those things growing up big and getting frostbitten. I'm going to say one of the purposes of wattles, because I don't know how and why wattles really evolve, but we know they help with heat disbursement, Yep, which is why your Mediterraneans have those big crowns on their heads. Exactly. So So they're definitely cold weather birds. They don't like the heat. They're going to need some shade, fans, cool dirt, all of that stuff. So let's go with land race. And what are land race birds really known to have really good skills in? And that is foraging. Yeah. Because they're living off the land. Some of them might get supplemental feed, but they're out digging all day. And they're smaller, so foraging is going to be easier to fill them up than a bigger hen. Yeah. Hens are about four pounds and roos are about five. Which is, they're small. That's unusual for the cold weather birds. Yeah. That small body. Exactly. So I thought that was really interesting. They're 150 to 180 light brown eggs per year. They're in my eh category, which is okay. (laughs) (laughs) They're supposed to be good winter layers. If you have a hen that's a good winter layer and she's doing 150 to 180 a year. That's pretty good. Yeah. You'll get less eggs per week, but more eggs year round. Yeah. Hedemora hens are supposed to go broody occasionally and are supposed to be good mothers when they do go broody. Nice. People who keep the Hedemora report that they have great personalities. That's always good to know. Really good birds for families. It's a little surprising, but in a good way. Yeah. We did a breed spotlight a few weeks ago on the Old English. I'm we were not happy with that. We weren't happy with it, but it's reality, right? Yeah. So we want to come out to everybody and say, this is a great bird for your homestead. But sometimes they're not. So right. we have to say that. But this one was pleasantly surprised yeah. me the other way. I mean, and definitely if you're in the northern part of the U.S. or if you're in Canada, this would be a fantastic right. bird if you're looking for a nice bird for your homestead. It was imported to the U.S. in 2010 by Greenfire Farms, which that's no surprise. Right. And the first importation was unfortunately hit hard by the U.S. strain of Merrick's disease. Yeah. So they imported the Hedemora and the Swedish flower at about the same time. Right. Both coming from Sweden. 
The Swedish flowers are known to have a good natural resistance to the U.S. strain of Marix. The hate of Mora's, it just went right through them. This is where the silky thing might come exactly. in. Exactly. Marix and silkies go hand in hand. Exactly. And right. And so we strongly recommend having all Hadamora chicks vaccinated for Marix. Yeah, we recommend every chick That's not a risk you want to take. Across the board. But, but, but because they have silky blood and they're so susceptible, yeah. you really want it. Exactly. So Greenfire Farms. And Sugar Feather Farm, which is a new farm that we found, they have these beauties. A straight run. So you have to be willing to get a boy. And the roos are supposed to be really nice. So unless you're at a place where you legally can't have roosters, they might be nice to have around. Yeah. I I mean, you can't go out and try to get straight run if you can't have roosters because there's a possibility you're going to get a boy. I would bet the farm on it. Yep. Expect to pay about $20 to $30 each, which I thought was pretty reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Sugar Feather also sells hatching eggs. Again, rooster plan, have one. Yes. Now, Greenfire Farm sells hatching eggs too, but not regularly. Right. So follow them on eBay and you can bid for their hatching eggs when they're available. You'll be right. notified that their hatching eggs are available. So there's a couple of farms in Canada also. Yeah. Now, in the UK, you want to check in with our upcoming guest. Oh, yes. Kate Wild of Hens on Oxney. She's no, her, so sweet. She's, she's so sweet. And she does these gorgeous rare breeds. Her website currently lists the Hatemore as sold out. I love her website, too. She has all, everything listed so nicely. Yeah. But she's currently listed as the Hatemore sold out. So check in with her. Yeah. If you're in the UK, definitely. You know the other sure. bird she has, and we put an episode out before we knew she had this bird. The Pavlovskaya. Yes. So UK listeners, Kate's another source for the Pavlovskaya. So if anybody has the Hatemora, please message us your pictures. We'd love to show a story with them. So beautiful little fairy tale chickens, the Hatemora. They're so cute. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals Health Products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. Okay, let's move on to main topic. Yeah, Yeah. We're going to do a few things as our main topic. Uh First thing we're going to do is talk a little bit about why I'm a little tired right now. Right. And kind of go into what we're talking about and why. And we're going to talk about chicks a little bit for a few minutes. And what happens if you get a chick that has a failure to thrive? Right. This is a real thing. It is. It's a real thing in people with babies who right. have failure to thrive. Right. Any litter of animals sometimes have one that could fail mm-hmm. to thrive. Right. And it's going on right now with one of my chicks. We ordered some of our chicks from a very small hatchery that's in the Missouri area. Mm-hmm. And our chicks came doing fairly doing great, well. Really, yeah. One of my salmon favorals, Clover, was a little smaller and very sleepy mm-hmm. on the first day. So when she came the first week, I watched her very, very closely. And I always said, okay, she's sleeping. But then I pick her up and I move her and she's eating. So she was on your radar, but there was nothing at that point to concern you too much. There was nothing. But you know how we are eagle eyes with our chicks. Yep. So kept watching, kept watching after the first week. We go into the second week and I even said to you, this could be this chick's personality. Right. Because every time I picked her up, she had a crop. Right. Her crop was a little full. Yeah. So following day or two, I pick her up. In the morning, she's fine. By midday, she's not. She was having some ataxia, 
So yeah. imbalance yep. and not eating and drinking. Exactly. So for the first time when I picked her up, she didn't seem like herself uh -huh. and her crop was empty. Okay. So I think I noticed it pretty quickly from when she turned the corner. Right. And if you catch it soon enough and it's not a genetic problem or... Like an infection. An infection right. or Some parasites. Of, yeah, viral disease, any of those things. You can hopefully turn things around. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping when this airs, I'll have really good news. Right. It's only been a few days. And we've had intense nursing care here. Uh -huh. And we're going to talk about what to do. And the reason why we bring this up is because this is chick time and you may need to know that. Right. So the chick was a little slow and sleepy. So after the first week, what do chickens do? They will take somebody out that's weak. Oh, yeah. They'll run right over top of them, Even knock chicks. them away from the food. They're tiny dinosaurs. We were discussing this all the way through. A chick instinctually knows if somebody's weak, yep. you take them out. So Clover was a little bit slower. She did great. And then they decided she was not allowed to get any food and nope. they were going to knock her down every chance they got. And that's what was happening. Which meant Miss Clover was coming out for some intensive care. Intensive care. Yeah. And that's what we did. So you go out, your chick was fine, and then it's not. So what are the first things that we should tell people to do? Our go-to with chicks is polyvisol. Mm -hmm. And it's polyvisol without iron. Polyvisol is a vitamin formula for human infants. Yes. You find it in the baby section. When Ricardo Montalban had that issue with, he, he was exhausted and had to sit down all the time. Yeah. We put him on it. I think we went to like six or seven different places. And we told everybody, check your dates. We yeah. both checked our date. It just expired. Yep. Mine had just expired. And it was pouring down rain the day that this happened. And I sent Joe out. And this is a shout out to Joe. Thank oh, yeah. you. Yeah. He went to at least four to five places himself and found it behind the counter at the pharmacy. Yeah. So he stepped up to help little Clover. But first thing we're going to do is warm them up and get vitamins into them. Warm them up and get vitamins into them. Nutri-Drench is great. But in a case like this, you want to get extra vitamins and minerals in them. And that's why we go for the polyvisol. Polyvisol. Exactly. And we say to have this in your first aid kit, especially during chick Your chick first aid kit. Yeah. You're so gonna, you're not like us running around. Well, you're going to pay $15 for it. Right. And you might not even use it. But you might go it. six months, but you have it in your toolkit because failure to thrive is a diagnosis given to chicks that stop eating and drinking and generally go downhill really quickly. Yep. And so if you can stop it, you're going to need the polyvisol. So the first thing you're going to do is give two drops to your chick in their mouth. So Clover was at two weeks when this happened. Uh -huh. The beaks are extremely tiny right. and they're weak. So you need to make sure that you're not flooding your chicken with this vitamin. So there's a dropper that comes with the vitamins. And it's very large. I like those old time glass droppers with the curved tip. It's very easy to yeah. be precise and get That would drop. be good to have for your first aid kit. Yes. Yeah. I always recommend, and we should put this out there, tuberculin syringes uh -huh. for dosing anything for chicks yeah. for oral medications. And those are you, great. You can get them by the case on Amazon. Yeah. Ask me how I know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We should put them on our storefront yeah, so can. they're there. Uh -huh. So basically, you're going to do two drops out of the dropper. I take two drops out of the dropper and put it in a cap and then suck it into the TB syringe uh -huh. and then put it with the electrolyte water that I made. Those little package that you can get yeah. at the store. Yeah. They're great for They're that. They're called Save a Chick. Uh -huh. You're going to instantly make a packet of that with water, and that's what you're going to be getting into the chick at that point. So you're going to give polyvisol electrolytes in the water and try to keep them eating. Even with chicks, make a mash. Yeah. Mash oh, is yeah. so much easier to try to get into them. Yep. 
The other thing is there is omnivore care, which is a liquid diet for chickens. We've used it. It brought Gertie back. Thank you, Dr. Rebecca, for bringing this to our attention. We have it on hand at all times. So I gave her a liquid meal uh-huh. of the omnivore With care. drops in her beak. Drops in her beak. Right. Well, you have to go so slow when they're this tiny. Yeah, so they can swallow. And getting them warm. And then I just laid there with her until everything kind of took effect. Now, when we're recording this, we're on day three. Uh-huh. And today was the best day. Yeah. And there's she, definitely been improvement. Every day has been little improvements. Today was a bigger step improvement. And the other thing to think of, when you have failure to thrive, what happens over a week, it's going to take a week of vitamins to build them back up. And in her case, we were pretty sure there was a vitamin or mineral deficiency because of the ataxia, because of her imbalance. So the ataxia you treat with vitamins and minerals, Rynec, if that shows up, Rynec can be caused by a few different things. Yeah. And it can be caused by injury. It can be a genetic issue. It can be caused by disease. And it can be caused by vitamin deficiency. Yeah. So usually vitamin E and selenium, very occasionally thiamine deficiency, which could be from medicated feed. Right. And so if we're looking at this whole big spectrum of chicks who don't thrive with the question, how does it happen? You look at your flock. So we have five chicks, right? Right. Every other chick is thriving. Absolutely. And there's one chick that they've decided isn't. But say she has a deficiency from her parent, which we know that can happen. Right. It is possible, especially in the case of thiamine, that a chick can hatch. And if the hen had a thiamine deficiency, the chick will be born with a thiamine deficiency. So then if that chick comes to you, we use medicated food. And in the rare case, then that can create an issue. So she is off a of medicated food for now for her health. Right. She's on grublies. The others are still on it and thriving. Yeah. Everybody else is doing great. Right. So you took her off medicated just in case. And you have Corid on hand of just course. in case of coccidiosis. But normal poop. And the thing is to watch them very closely. If you're going to save a two to three week old chick, this is generally when it happens. I talked with Dr. Rebecca. I did call our vet. Right. She says it's going to happen from one to three weeks that okay. you're going to notice the failure to thrive. Okay. So it's going to take almost 24-7 intensive care. Right. I right. mean, you have to be giving them the water, wait for those vitamins to build back right. up for them to feel a little stronger. Right. So it's going to be everything by mouth and gently in that beak because even if you're the most gentle, it can go down the wrong way. Right. So that's what I have been doing this entire week. So I am a little on the tired side. No well other. worth it. Clever was very active today. I was trying to hold her. Yeah. Um, she was running around. <laughs> She's still a little unsteady on her feet. Yeah. But like Dr. Rebecca said, it takes a while for these things to build back up. Now, if you have a chick with failure to thrive because of something genetic, there's probably not a lot you can do. If it's genetic or an infection from what Dr. Rebecca tells both of us, it's very quick. Within a day or two, they're not going to survive. There is no improvement and there's nothing that you can do. Yeah. So those are the things. Diseases. Exactly. And when you look at your situation, every situation is different. When I look at my situation, there's one little chick. Everybody else is so healthy. Right. And then I looked when I put her back in afterwards and they're pushing her. And we don't know for sure if this is a thiamine deficiency. We don't know. We just know that she's responding to vitamins and intensive care. That's what we know. Yeah. Positive vibes for Clover. She is a fighter. She's one of the little salmon favorals, Clover and Ivy. Now, Ivy is almost three times the size of Clover. It's a marked difference. Yeah. It's crazy, the Uh difference. 
let's say Clover got a mild injury during shipping. Which could have happened. And the others knew that and she was feeling bad enough that she didn't eat or drink. That could cause a vitamin deficiency right there. That's the start of it. And then they realize it. And we've done this. And we're going to talk about the sense of smell at some point soon with chickens. Uh But just to kind of put this in perspective, chickens' sense of smell is stronger than ours. And they can smell those things that sometimes illness kind of brings about that we can't. Right. So that's one way that they can tell that a chicken isn't doing well. And even at a week old, those activities are instinctual. The very first day she had the power, she walked over to the food. She lay down to eat, and then they stood in the food where she was eating to stop her. Oh, good Lord. It's very clear at that point what's going on. Now, when I'm out there constantly and I'm playing with them, they're not messing with her and she's eating. Right. But on their own, they're not letting her. So that's how she kept going. Yeah. And then it got to the point. I mean, it was so weird that I checked her earlier that day, and Uh then within a few hours, it was a different check. Well, if you hadn't checked her. Yeah. I've had probably two to three sleepless nights. That kind of care around the clock is draining. It is. I'm like, please let us just get over this hump. And today I was very encouraged with how she was. I was really pleased to see her running around as much as she did. It's good. I did take a picture of her in the big chair. Uh Uh-huh. I don't want to, like, not record her little story. Right. You know, it's her story. You're not ready to put it in on social media yet. No. And I'm not even really ready to talk about it, to be honest with you. I'm kind of superstitious. Well, this episode will drop in two weeks, and fingers crossed, and knock on wood and every other good thing. But I think it could help somebody else, to be honest with you. It could help someone else, yeah. So that's why I'm willing to sit and talk about it. I just say positive vibes for Clover. And the difference between polyvisol and NutriDrench is that polyvisol contains much more vitamins and minerals at a concentrated level than NutriDrench does. NutriDrench is good to have on hand because you can get some instant nutrients into the baby. Her crop and mouth will absorb mm-hmm. the NutriDrench. So it's great, but you need the polyvisol. It also has it. a lot more calcium in it, which a chick at that age. If it's a difference of right. life or death, you're going to give it. You exactly. Know, but, but they don't need that much calcium. No. First thing I did, because what I had was NutriDrench that went directly in a jar, right. like instantly. Yeah. And the other thing is you can call your veterinarian. Right. Dr. Rebecca said I was doing everything that she would do. The only thing additional she would do is give warm fluids under the skin. And at that point, I had her drinking and it was she so was, cold yeah, that I'm like, hydrated. I'm not going to take her in and uh-huh. fear of she's going to get chilled right, and right. that's going to be worse. So. That important intensive care that you can just do at home can really help the chick out. Yep. And the Save a Chick envelopes, you get them at any farm supply store. Three of them for $3.49. They're not expensive. Always have those. Okay, so should we move on? We have a special guest that's going to come in and talk to us all about what it's like to live on a hatchery in the UK. Right. Our guest is Kate Wilde. Kate is the owner of Hens on Oxney. She specializes in rare breeds. And we're also going to talk a little bit with her about the Masters in Poultry Science that she's working on right now. She has all the rare breeds and she cracks me up because every time she puts up her laughing rooster. Oh, the I am Katawa. Yes. Yeah. So funny. Spotlight the laughing cock with an upcoming episode. We're going to put the interview out now. So enjoy. Kate is in Kent in the UK. She's a breeder of extraordinarily amazing rare chickens. And she's also working on a Master's of Science course in poultry science from the University of Edinburgh. Welcome, Kate. Hey, Kate. How are you? Hi. Very well, thank you. We were 
looking at your website and we were in amazement of the number of rare breed chickens that you have available for the lucky people in the UK. Really? I'm jealous. We stumbled across your website because we profiled the Pavlovskaya a few weeks back and I was searching just for any Pavlovskaya breeders and you popped up. And we took one look and thought, we need to talk to Kate and hear your story. <laughs> They're pretty amazing, the Pavlovskaya. They're very new to me. I haven't had them for very long. But yeah, lots of other breeds I've had for much longer. Like the Swedish flower hen, which is what started me really into rare breeds. I was actually given a group of Swedish flower hens, which are really beautiful. And yeah, that was the beginning of the end, really. I also have Swedish flowers, and they really are some of the most beautiful chickens that exist. They are very beautiful. And I saw that you have a snow leopard. <laughs> I do. I have three. I know. I don't know where they came from. They just popped up. So, uh, yeah, they're not going anywhere. I'm definitely keeping those. Just to clue our listeners in, snow leopard is like the most popular and desirable color variety that Swedish flowers come in. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And how you actually started with chicken keeping? Well, I grew up in the country and I always loved animals, but then I went to London. So we moved out of London about 20 years ago and I inherited a huge chicken coop in the barn of the house that we bought. And I knew nothing about chickens and didn't really have any interest in them. But I thought, well, just get a few chickens for eggs and just keep them in the coop. The coop was there. And really, that's all it was for the first few years until I managed to get hold of some cream leg bars and started breeding cream leg bars. Not many people had chickens that laid blue eggs back in those days. They were really quite wow. And so they were really popular. I had so many people wanting to buy chicks. It was perfect because the cream leg bars are auto sexing. So you can sex them on hatch and I could guarantee people, the girls, that's one of the major things about the Crested Cream Leg Bars, that auto-sexing, it takes care of people who sometimes in their neighborhoods can't have a cockerel. So they want a chicken that for sure is a hen. And who can go wrong with a blue egg? We each have the leg bar and we're so excited. I mean, they're adorable. They have great personalities. They lay a blue egg and they're auto-sexing. What is not to love with that breed? And I think I was quite surprised how popular it was. And I thought, oh, maybe I could do more of this. It kind of encouraged me really to get going with a bit of breeding. And then when I was given the Swedish flower hen group, that really was the beginning of the end. I just started <laughs> going crazy breeding and then wanting more and more different varieties of chickens. So yeah, now here I am with lots. So you were given Swedish hens. How many were you given originally? I was actually given a group of six, five hens and a cockerel. Nice. nice. I was very lucky and I have brought in a few different lines. I've had friends who breed send me eggs and so I've mixed up the genetics a bit and I think I've probably still got one or two related to the original ones that I had. It's nice to see when you get the new genetics in there to see the different colours pop up and really maybe that's how the snow leopard popped up. <laughs> maybe. I love it. My original Swedish flowers were black based, which I think is absolutely beautiful. Mine too. And I love that look, but then I was given a pullet a few years later and she is blue and white and is just drop dead gorgeous. I've never seen the, the blue offered around here where we are. Do you have any of that blue base near you? I don't have any, but I know somebody who does. And I've definitely got my name down for some eggs this year. They are beautiful. After, yeah, they're so beautiful. So do you currently keep a personal flock, a flock of your own? 
I do, but it's not beautiful. It's usually all the leftovers, the old ones from the breeding pens that get taken out. And it's a real sort of motley crew of ancient old ladies with dodgy legs. Definitely past their sell-by date, really. Oh, oh, that's amazing. I love that. How many of those chickens do you have in your own personal flock? Probably about 20. I do keep a few hybrids in there as well, just for eggs. But I actually don't eat eggs. Okay, so what we were curious about is what does a day in the life on your farm look like? Well, I keep all of my breeding pens in one paddock separate from all the old girls. And it starts just with the feeding round in the morning. I have got someone to help me sometimes, which is brilliant, because if I'm on the school run, sometimes I come back and everything's done, which is super nice. Then I will usually do some cleaning. There's always cleaning to do. Oh, yes. Now I've got the chicks as well at the moment and everything needs cleaning. Collecting eggs, cleaning incubators. None of it's very glamorous, is it? It's a lot of cleaning and disinfecting that goes on. Right. So you collect the eggs every day or they date it and then put in some sort of order so that you know which is which and which goes in the incubator at what point. Exactly. So, yeah, I scribble on them all with my trusty little pencil, um, date them. And then, yeah, they'll go in the incubator when there's space. And the ones that are ready come out and go in the hatches. I'm so amazed at the organization that it takes to keep breeding that many chicks and orderly and knowing Mm -hmm. what you're going to have on this day for this person and that person. That is a skill in itself. I feel like I'd be frazzled. Like, oh, my God, (laughs) moving this one here, that one there. I don't know if I could. If it goes wrong, it goes very wrong. So I think that it's so important to try and keep organized, to keep everything in the right order so you know what you've got where. Otherwise, yeah, it's not good if it goes wrong. Do you have a certain day that is a hatch day every week? To be honest, it depends how well they're laying. And every time a tray is available, I try to fill it as soon as I can so that the eggs go in as fresh as they possibly can. I have been selling eggs this year as well because the girls are laying really well. And if I don't have enough space, I only have two big incubators, the Brindisi 190s. And when they're full, people get lucky with my special eggs. So are you shipping the hatching eggs or do people have to come and pick them up? No, I post them. Okay. So you're working with a lot of rare breeds. I mean, honestly, if you were in the U.S. and you were within driving distance, I would probably be at your farm every week. And I'm not (laughs) kidding. Some of the breeds you have, like your website is my idea of fantasy land. It's just amazing. What started you down the path working with these ultra rare breeds? Greenfire Farms in two words. Everything I've got, you've probably got there in the U.S. already. It's like crack cocaine for chicken lovers. It's just... <laughs> exactly. I love the death layers. That was the thing I became obsessed by. And I think that's what really started the proper rare breeds. I imported some eggs from Germany and had a really beautiful group hatch out. I had the golds and a really rare lemon death layer. Absolutely beautiful. Until we had some bad weather, my pen was compromised and a fox got in and ate them. Oh, no. That's awful. I'm so sorry. Uh, That was a pretty bad day. But I've managed to acquire two genetically separate groups of silver death layers now, which is very exciting. So I have got a lot of death layer eggs in the incubator and quite a good amount of chicks already. So it's really exciting for the year. Can you list the rare breeds that you will have available to our friends over in the UK? I will have the Swedish flower hens, including the snow leopards, silver death layers, Pavlovskaya. For the first time, I'll have the silver reds blue this year. 
a friend who's Swedish. She drove to Sweden last year and came back with two dozen silver reds blue hatching nice. eggs from two separate groups. So that's a good friend right there. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> And also she brought some Hedamora eggs for me as well. So that's very exciting. Something new for this year. I'm actually doing some dual purpose birds this year. So the La Bresse, the Bresse hatch. And I'm trying to remember what I've got now. I've got so many. Do you have any little bantams? Oh, I have some Groninger Mealworm bantams. I've got the little Dutch birds. They're fabulous. They are brilliant egg layers. They're like little egg laying machines. They are so cute. I also have them in large fowl as well. I have the gold Groningers, which are very beautiful. Are you going to have the Pita Pinta Austrianas available? Sadly not. They are my absolute favorites. I imported two lots of two dozen Pita Pinta eggs from Spain, one from each group hatched, and I had one pair. But sadly, I lost the cockerel a few weeks ago. I've got five cockerels of most breeds. This one, I had one. And of course, that one was the one that died. Oh, man. So no, there will be no pitters until I can get my hands on some more eggs, unfortunately, which I'm determined to do because they are my absolute favorite. They're so beautiful. Yeah, They're they the really are beautiful, beautiful chickens. They are beautiful. And I also have, just for a little bit of fun, a young I am Katawa cockerel, the Indonesian laughing chickens. He hasn't started laughing yet because he's very young, but I'm looking forward to that. That's so funny. Oh, I love them. Man. And I love the long crowers as well. I can't tell you how many times I've made Chrissy listen to videos of the long crowers <laughs> because they make me happy. I've only recently discovered those, but they are on my wish list. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> They're so funny. So you seem like you really love breeding chickens. What is the aspect of it that fuels your passion? I absolutely love the excitement when people come to pick up their birds, especially children. And they've thought out all the names and they've been looking forward to coming to pick up their birds and the excitement. Seeing their passion is fabulous. That's my absolute favorite part, giving birds to people who I think will love them as much as I do. Chickens, we keep saying it, they have the ability to love, to be loved, to have an emotional connection with someone. And seeing how people get so excited and share that love with them, that can definitely make you feel good inside. It's really special. Even just the regular hybrids that I sell for eggs as well. The children get so excited. It's really lovely watching them. Now, the chickens, do they go as pullets to the families? Some people love to come and pick up chicks and and bring them on themselves. That's, I think, when the children get the most excited when they come to pick up a little box of fluffy chicks. Some people wait until they're sexed and want to pick up growers, and then other people would prefer to wait until they're at point of lay. But to be honest, not many of them reach point of lay because they've been snapped up before they do. You're one of the very first people in the UK that I've heard this from. Selling chicks. Selling chicks in the US. It's a big thing to get chicks at one day old. And that's generally how it's done, unless for some reason you have to wait for a grow out for sexing. The last chickens that I got that were not chicks were my breeding Nankin pair. So we went and picked them up as juveniles. And even then I was sad to have missed that, you know, those early days. And so the next thing you know, we have 10 Nankin eggs in the incubator because we want a baby Nankins. They love the excitement of picking them up as day olds and watching them grow. It's really special. People love to bond with them and watch their journey. Do you hatch everyone in the incubators or do you ever use broody hens? I hatch everyone in the incubators. Occasionally, one of my old girls will go broody and I'll pop a few barn mixes under her. But any of my rare breeds, they don't go under the broodies. 
you're on such a time schedule where it has to happen at a certain day. Somebody's coming to pick up. That's that organization. It's easier. It's cleaner. Everything's together. And I know who's where when. Yeah, that's a lot to keep straight otherwise. Okay, so this is one of the things that we've really found exciting is that you're working on your master's in poultry science in a course from University of Edinburgh. Can you tell us how the course is influencing your breeding and all of your business with the chickens? Is it really helping you through this? It's fascinating. I wouldn't say it's hugely influencing my breeding because that's a slightly separate obsession, but I'm definitely learning a lot and a fair bit of it is commercial based. So it's not necessarily relevant to me, but nonetheless, it's hugely interesting. But the anatomy and health and nutrition side of it, then obviously that will apply to whether your backyard or whether you're commercial biosecurity. One of the modules was embryology and incubation, which obviously was very interesting. So even the commercial stuff, there's a lot of it that I can use. I can apply it myself, but it's a fantastic course and I would definitely recommend. And because it's done online as well, you can do it in the US. You can. I actually looked into it. To be perfectly honest, I would rather put bamboo under my fingernails than do another master's degree. But I saw that there's a year certificate option for what this course is and the fact that it's open internationally. I'm shocked that more Americans have not enrolled to take part in this. It just looks absolutely fantastic. Like you said, a lot of it's commercial, but it looks like the science is applicable across the board. Absolutely. What do you think is the most valuable thing you've learned on the course so far? I was very interested in the nutrition module and just going into detail, really, because, yeah, we all feed our birds proprietary food. You know, nobody feeds bird scraps anymore. They all feed good food. But to get into a little bit more detail about why the nutrition is so important, micronutrients and uh, especially, you know, breeding pellets and things as well, improving fertility, egg production, improving chick viability. So yeah, that was very interesting. And so I do like to feed my birds the breeders pellets and just make sure that they're benefiting from optimum nutrition. That's amazing. I'd never even thought about making your cockerels more virile through nutrition. It makes perfect sense, but I never thought about it. It's one thing that we do talk about a lot is how important nutrition is for chickens. What Um, we're putting in to make their tiny little bodies run is so important. We are what we eat. Exactly. Yeah. And then we are what the chickens eat. (laughs) To some degree. Biosecurity was another very interesting point that I'm learning more about as I'm going through. I mean, I'm almost finished now. I'm just doing the dissertation at the end. But the biosecurity was very interesting as well, especially we've got a lot of avian influenza in the UK at the moment. Our birds have been locked down since the 29th of November. And so the more biosecure our setups, then obviously the safer we all are. We're in lockdown now. It's voluntary for us, but we have the avian flu here as well. So are we allowed to ask you the subject of your dissertation or are you keeping that under wraps? (laughs) No, absolutely. I've gone down the welfare route. So it started as really a comparison between the welfare of the backyard birds and the commercial birds, but it's sort of morphed more into concentrating on the welfare of backyard hens. The survey that I put out has got over 700 responses. So I've got a lot of data to work with, which is really exciting. So uh, yeah, I'm just starting to analyze the data and it's really interesting. 
I bet it is. I mean, that's something that we're for too, is the welfare of the backyard chicken. One of our missions is to help everyone understand that chickens need veterinary care and the care of a doctor is important for them also. Did you ask about veterinary care in the survey? I touched on it, but there was so much that I wanted to cover that it's really difficult to cover everything in enough detail that you want to. Potentially, I might be doing a couple of follow-up interviews, in which case veterinary care is something that I would like to follow up on to gather more information. Because in the UK, I have a friend who's a poultry vet, and I'm surprised that the veterinary universities are not putting more emphasis on poultry modules, given the popularity of backyard hens now. There are still a lot of vets who won't treat chickens, or I think they probably draw straws in the back room when they see a chicken come in. We so were talking I, about the same thing because the veterinary students are not trained to see poultry. They get one or two days. One or two days on an avian course. On an avian course and that's it. And yeah. they're usually trained how to treat 10,000 of a commercial flock. And the backyard chicken wasn't even introduced. We've been really pushing to help get the education into the university to teach the vets in vet school. I really school. feel like we need to write an open letter to the AVA. Yeah. Same problem in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, we're lucky in the area we are. It's kind of an embarrassment of riches. There are no less than five avian vets that will see poultry, but we got super lucky and we have a vet who specializes in domestic poultry and she's amazing. We are beyond lucky. You're so lucky. We get pleas from around the world of people asking us to help them find a veterinarian and we do everything we can to help, but it takes some tenacity. I mean, yeah. you have to keep digging. But the reality is, yeah, the veterinary courses need to change that. In the U.S., I know chickens are in the top 10 pets. And I think I saw in the U.K. they're in the top five. Is that right? Yeah, they're definitely in the top five. So, yeah, the vets need to up their poultry game or the universities more accurately. Exactly. Okay, so what are your future plans for Oxney? There's always room for one or two more new breeds. So I think the Gold Deathlayers and the Pitapinta Asturiana will be my top two breeds of choice for this year, next year. But I don't want to get too many more breeds. I want to have a bit of a life balance. I love going on holiday with the family. And I think that if these things become too big, then it becomes too tricky to do things like that and possibly becomes less enjoyable. So I'm focusing on just enjoying what I've got at the moment. And you said you have somebody who helps you? I do, yes. Very lucky to have somebody who will come in if I'm not around or sometimes do the morning feeds when I'm on the school run. And yeah, that's brilliant. That must be fantastic. We've had an absolutely fantastic time talking to you. It's always eye-opening to talk to a breeder, but the fact that you're doing this Masters in Poultry Science course is even more special. But now we're going to ask you the most unfair question of all that we ask everyone. What is your favorite breed of chicken? I'm going to have to go for the Pitta Pinta Asturiana because it's being a tricky one. (laughs) The longer it goes on where I don't have a breeding group, the more I want one. And to be honest, they are very beautiful and gentle, calm birds. And uh, I'm very jealous that you seem to have a lot of them in the U.S., Apparently, Greenfire Farm does carry them. That's where I first saw them. And they're just the most beautiful chickens. So UK listeners, keep an eye on Kate for the future. If you're in the U.S. with us, Greenfire Farm. Yeah. Okay. So we want to thank Kate for coming on and talking with us. Rare breed chickens. It's fascinating to me. The ones that you can't get your hands on, you're like, oh, 
I always scratch my head that these are rare breeds to begin with because they're usually like the friendliest and the most beautiful chickens. I know. I agree with you. I just don't know why everybody doesn't keep them. Well, we'll check in with you in the future and we will keep an eye on your breeds and see if you get the pita pintas going because they're just absolutely glorious. (laughs) And thank you again. We've so enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been fun. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I just want to say thank you one more time to Kate. We really had a great time talking with you about all those fantastic rare breeds. It was so great to meet you, Kate. Okay, so now we're going to move on to cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. We went with an easy dessert. Super easy. Amazing with fresh ingredients. So we're doing a strawberry mousse. Yummy. But this recipe uses the egg whites uncooked. Yeah. So if you are making this for seniors, if you're immunocompromised or making this for children, pasteurize your eggs or buy pasteurized egg whites. Technically speaking, this recipe serves four. In my house, this recipe serves two. (laughs) Double it if desired. Yeah. So you're going to start with really fresh strawberries. And you could probably do rhubarb as well. Yeah. I'm going to make it again with rhubarb. So you're going to wash and cut up your fruit. You're going to use about a pound of strawberries, a half a cup of sugar. You can probably add more or less depending on the sweetness. I was going to say, in the Carlo house, we'll be adding a little more. Yeah. The strawberries and the sugar go in the pot. Bring it to a boil, let it simmer, and then cook it down until your strawberries have essentially cooked down into puree. Right. And just set it aside. Once they're cool, you can mash them or you can leave them chunky. Yeah. Completely up to you. Yeah. I like them a little chunky. I like stuff where I actually know it's fruit yeah. in my yeah. what I'm eating, you know? And if you do this with, say, rhubarb, you might want to strain it to get some of the strings out. Then you just let it cool. And here come the egg whites. So one egg white, if you're just serving two to four people, but you can double it as you need to. You're going to beat the egg whites with a mixer until stiff peaks form. It's kind of like when you do eggnog. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to set that aside. Then you're going to have heavy whipping cream. Oh, yeah. if you need this dairy-free, Silk actually makes a heavy whipping cream. That's nice. Yeah. That's awesome. It actually works really well. You're going to whip that until it's the stiffest peaks possible. Whip it real good. Uh Uh-huh. Right? (laughs) (laughs) So at this point, you've got cold strawberry puree. You've got a bowl of whipped egg whites and a bowl of whipped cream. Correct. You're going to mix your strawberry puree, like fold it into the egg whites. Yes. Until it's mostly incorporated. And you want it to be as gentle as possible. Oh, yeah. You don't want the whites to deflate. Exactly. Then you're going to fold that mixture. Into the whipped cream. Into the whipped cream. Yeah. Again, fold it in as gently as you can. If you want to garnish this or you want to make it look really pretty, you can save a little bit of the strawberry puree. Either yeah. to put on the top or the bottom of yeah. the parfait glass. It actually would be really pretty. It really would. And then a little extra whipped cream on top. Yep. I suppose you could also put a whole strawberry on top. Yeah. yeah. Or whipped cream with the strawberry in it. Yeah. Or like that, that would be really cute. Or a little bit of mint would be good with this, too. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. The strawberry on the top would look really nice. Yeah. Then you're just going to refrigerate it. It's That's a, it. It's a good recipe if you want a easy dessert at night. Take to the picnic also. Yep. Take to someone's house. Yeah. Or yeah. if you have somebody coming over and you want to dress it up for a little dessert you after could. dinner. You could probably do a little crystallized ginger on there. Yeah. You can add a lot of stuff to it. Yeah. It's an easy, warm weather dessert. And it kind of depends on the flavor of your strawberries. So you really want the most would, flavorful strawberries you can get your hands on. I would recommend tasting the strawberries and then adjusting your sugar at that, that point. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you have bitter strawberries, add a little bit more. Right. And, you know, fresh egg. So your egg whites are nice and fresh, light and airy. And it's that simple. Show us pictures if you make it. We love to see it. Absolutely. So let's move on to 
Retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. yeah. We're going to hit one of the big dogs today. We really are. This is something that we have both noticed as of late, and we want to make it known that there's a bigger company out there. You can go to their website, and they actually have the category farm animal. Right. We're talking about Chewy. Because Chewy has realized that chickens are super popular. So Chewy has its own farm shop now. Once you go on the website, you hit farm animal. And then all the animals come up, including bees. Oh, I didn't see the bees. That's cool. Yeah. So it's really cool. It starts with chicken and poultry, pig, goat, cow, sheep, llama, and alpacas, and bees. I love it. So it's mainstream even more for our homesteading out here. Well, I can't deny that having someone drop big bags of First Saturday Lime off right at my doorstep is very convenient. Exactly. I do get my First Saturday Lime on Chewy. You can auto ship food. Now, they don't have the brand that I feed, but there are other things I get from them. They have this type of grit that I use for my bantams. It's actually a mix of grit, tiny oyster shell, and anise seeds. And it's what I use for my bantams. It works really well. I'm looking under the poultry section, and there's at least 19 pages of poultry items. Everything from feed, grit, and oyster shell, like I was saying. Yeah. Brooder plates, panel heaters. Treats, auto door openers. I saw a saddle on here. Head saddles, false eggs. I even saw a chicken carrier bag to travel with your chicken. Yeah. And coop and run kits. The other company that we partner with, Strong Strong Animals. Animals. Uh Strong Animal Chicken Essentials is now on Chewy. Straight to your door. So straight to your door. You can get a lot of stuff. I'm talking 19 pages of poultry. Yeah. It's much better to have something delivered to your door. This price on Rooster Booster that they have on here is amazing, $12.99. Yeah, they run sales. And so back before it got cold, I caught a sale for the Cozy Coop panel heaters. Yeah, you got a really good deal. I got buy two, get one free. Yeah. That was fantastic. You got a great deal. Yeah. So check periodically if you're looking for the best prices on things. It's a lot of stuff. And not everybody has time to be running out all the time. Right. So, you know, right on your phone. Oh, my God. This saddle. It reminds me of the one you said that you made that was denim. (laughs) It's a denim head saddle. Look at that. (laughs) They have eight cartons there, too. Oh, okay. Oh, they carry green goo. Seriously. Yeah. Wow. They carry a lot. I didn't know they had sheep stuff. I'm going to go on Chewy and look and see what they have for sheep. They carry Brincy. They have a lot of Hen House Reserve, which is a really good brand. Uh-huh. They have the scratch from them. The nuggets that Pete drove everywhere to get. For Gertie. For Gertie. They have those. I'm really impressed with this new setup from Chewy for poultry. It's a lot of good stuff. It's a lot of good stuff. And sometimes if you're ordering dog food, you want to be able to order your chicken stuff right at the same time. Heck Yeah. There's a lot of stuff, if you use the brands that are on here, that you can actually do auto ship and say you want it once a week. You already set it up, so you're not worried about going anywhere. It gets delivered right to your door. I am literally, as we speak, looking for my sheep food on here. Because I will order it if they have it. Strong Animals Chick Kits, which Uh we strongly recommend. Oh, yeah. They have those on there. So many things. Rooster, rooster, sheep and goat supplement. Yeah. I mean, right down to a chicken mug, chicken tote. The chicken tote's not badly priced. Hen Couture Egg Collecting Utility Tote Bag. Oh, oh how about she, that? That's pretty cool. You that, walk out clever. to the coop with a bag, yeah. and it's $15. Not that's bad. not bad I price. Like that. I need that sometimes. 
Oh, I see some incubators on there. There's incubators on here. Transport cage for your chicken. Uh-huh. Heated I mean, buckets. Yeah. Oh, that's a good price, too. They have chicken diapers. Uh-huh. Chick grit. They have a lot. Large giant egg basket. That's what I need, the large giant. We could go on and on about what they have. Oh, I like that chicken doormat. That's cute. That's really cute. I like that a lot. So, you know how we all get bored sometimes and go looking for stuff? Or if you need something in a hurry and you don't have time to go to the store, Chewy may be your way to go. All orders over $49 is free one to three day shipping. Can't beat it. No, it's pretty good. You're ordering supplies for your animals. You're going to be spending $49 or more. Generally, yes. Check out Chewy. Not just for dogs and cats anymore. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay, so should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, we're spotlighting an oldie but a goodie, the Aracana. Oh, yeah. Our main topic is the chicken gizzard. You're going to be surprised what we have to say. Oh, yeah. Cracking the eggs is my apricot jam cake. That is going to be so good. It's ridiculously good. Retail therapy is an Etsy shop, Lenora Dame. We got super excited when we oh, yeah. found this. and So much fun jewelry. Actually, it stopped us from working for like an hour because we were looking at all the jewelry. Okay, so should we tell everybody what they should do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.